On this week's episode of Polk and Kush, the Pelicans are showing signs of life. The Saints have one foot into the grave. The city is getting sued and deciding not to pay. And your packages? Well, they're going into a ravine somewhere. You're going to love it. Stick around right here, Polk and Kush. Welcome everyone to Polk and Kush. It is Thursday, December 2nd, 2021, and we have made it to the final month of this year. A year, the year of Polk and Kush, as many are calling it, our takeover, our turnaround, our everything. I'm Scott Kushner with, of course, Mr. Andrew Polk. I like the sound of that year of the Kush. Yeah. <laughs> year of Polk and Kush. We don't have to do what DraftKings tells us. It's Polk and Kush. It's Polk and Kush. You can't control <laughs> us with your $13 a week. DraftKings. We know all of you that can't gamble legally have been signing up for DraftKings like crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know why. Like, usually with the promo code, you get money and stuff from. We don't even have that deal. Yeah. So, so eh, sign up if you feel like it. Sign up with whatever <laughs> name you want to. I didn't. I signed up with sport. I signed up with Caesars. <laughs> they're not listening. Nobody's listening. No. They're they're not even a sponsor no. on this particular episode. No. If you like gambling, I would suggest going to the Caesar Sportsbook and the Harris Casino. We've got some folks over there. <laughs> it is a wonderful time. If you'd like, uh, it looks like they're building a big extension or expansion or something out there. I think they would have to be to turn it into an actual sports book because, yeah. like, I I went to it a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, they have, like, big monitors and stuff like that. But it's uh-huh. not like a sport. It's, you can't watch, like, Virginia Commonwealth games there gotcha. currently. They've shimmied in a sports book into the existing It, it used space. to be, like, you know, old Buckaroo's Saloon. <laughs> and they just turned it into the Caesar sports book. Uh, yeah, there's nothing better than, like, that Emerald Stadium or whatever in Vegas. And you're like, you know, you're just showing... Southland Conference basketball games. and I mean, now with ESPN Plus, you can see anything. Yeah. Last night, I'm not exaggerating. I think I tweeted it. I was flipping through ESPN Plus before my family had arrived home, and I was like, there was a game between Campbell College and Lancaster Bible College. We all know them. Broadcast live to the dozens. Of, there was like 12 people in the stands. God knows who's watching. I was like, "This is incredible, man! Like, what, what, the technology? How far we have come? They should, uh, they should really just have ESPNG for gamblers. <laughs> like, don't even have, don't waste commentators. Don't have multiple angles. Just have one camera. Have some guy turn it on and uh-huh. you just hear the shoes squeaking. Exactly, and then have the live line. Have the live line. That would be great. This is a billion dollar idea. DraftKings has dropped us as a sponsor. So Caesars, if you're listening, Caesar Sports Network, right? This is a good idea. Yeah, it's a better name than Bally. Yeah, the Bally yeah. Sports. Who the fuck uses Bally? The Tony Little guy? Wait, that's not his name. <laughs> the Gazelle guy. Yeah, is that his name? That it's yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, Tony Gazelle. Tony Gazelle. 
<laughs> uh, Valley Sports is terrible too. It is just awful. Luckily, uh, there haven't there hasn't been much need to pirate Pelicans games this season. <laughs> I don't think there's a ton. People are pirating, you know, Holiday. Yes. <laughs> and yes. the Trolls Christmas movie for their kids. They're That's not, true. These are specific examples that my sister asked me to download for. Her. <laughs> I only watch The Joker. That's the only movie I watch. You're like Robin Hood. You're stealing from the rich to give to the not so fortunate. Yeah, yeah. I am. They're kind of rich too. So <laughs> they're they're more fortunate than you. I'm I don't stealing, know. Robin I'm stealing from the rich to give to the rich, and then I'm poor. It's as if Robin Hood was giving to people who were wealthier than him, but not as wealthy as. You know, the middle class. Look, I've been up since 7 a.m. <laughs> because the construction crew showed up. And at 7 a.m., they had a party in the street. They were blasting Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I called the construction company and left a voicemail. That's how you know shit's serious. They're a voicemail. Do you think they? Do you think a construction company in New Orleans is checking the voice messages every day? It's like when you email a restaurant. I was like, not a single person is looking at that. I'm looking at that. The construction company is, I won't say their name, but they are named after the single greatest construction disaster in New Orleans history. And I, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but it is funny because like I typed in their name to find them on Google to call them like an old mm -hmm. man with yeah. nothing to do. Sure. And it's just, dis, you know, yeah. all the disaster. 7,000 news stories. About, it's, yeah. it's a good strategy. <laughs> That's why we're changing the name of the podcast to The Sports Podcast. Exactly, yes. That's how we get on top of the Google rankings. Because when people Google Sports Podcast, yeah. we're right there. We're the Britney Spears, uh, <laughs> Nip Slip, uh, the Beatles Sports Podcast now. There's nothing like 6.57 in the morning and you hear the cracking open of a can and the come on, I'm do that conga, no, I can control yourself any longer. Uh, I'm sure that was just a great way to wake up. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Were they dancing like La La Land? Uh, I was dancing for them. <laughs> It was <laughs> through the window. There's probably some kind of. Uh, it wasn't like a conga line. It was more like individual macarenas <laughs> happening. <laughs> Off time to macarenas, yes. But you know, maybe they're coming up on the end of the two months they've been here, <laughs> where they've managed to. I can't wash my car now because it's just a dirt road out there. It's, and this is a neighborhood that, like, uh, high-speed pursuits. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to get away from the coppers, you go down this street. <laughs> There's so many bikers around here, too. Like, not, you know, not like uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter no. bikers. Like, people on bicycles as their main mode of transportation. I just can't believe that more of them don't just fall into these pits. I think they do. They're just easily replaced. <laughs> like, you never see the same biker twice. Somebody crawls into the pit, takes their bicycle, and then you have a new bicycle guy. Like the Goombas in uh, Mario Brothers. Pretty much. Yeah, they just Another just one takes their them. place. Yeah. Uh, uh, we haven't mentioned Thanksgiving. What would you do for Thanksgiving? Do you celebrate? I do. <laughs> so many people ask about Jews and Thanksgiving. What? I was, it's, oh, it's incredible. I'm like, what <laughs> part of Jesus did you get in Thanksgiving? Like, it's not. This is an American holiday. Uh, which is part of why it's the best holiday because there's no religion affiliated to it. Uh, it was lovely. My brother came in town with his family. 
We went to the aquarium one day. We had uh, everybody over to our house. That was a bit stressful, but it was fun. And uh, and then, yeah, and then I went to the Saints game, which sucked for the yep. most part. But it was a lovely Thanksgiving. It was a very long week with two very small kids. Uh, you don't kind of think about, like, oh, kids are off of school for, like, uh, you know, half the week. That's a lot more work for the parents. That's not fun vacation time. Yeah, it's not. Back, you know, when I was, uh, you know, a single man, it was Thanksgiving week. It was Months week ago. To, week to boogie. You, know, yeah. you would just boogie. You'd get down 5 a.m., sleep all day, stuff yourself with turkey, eat some leftovers, go back to sleep, watch football. Little different these yeah. days. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. I followed basically the same path, but instead of children, it was uh, beer. <laughs> I, I had Whoa. I had beer constantly in Watched my hand beer. around me. <laughs> I went to the track. I don't know. I didn't see any. You know, you wear your best hat out there. So I was in the Polk and Kush hat. Surely, other bozos were in like you know the Kentucky Derby hat. Yeah, like a fedora yeah all that there were a lot of uh basically every guy at the track looked like they were in mumford and sons <laughs> it's all like it is role-playing somebody right? was gonna like pull out an accordion at any moment and i'm just there in like you know a who farted t-shirt but, this is where uh, i bet on which horse runs faster yeah i didn't gamble on the horses because that's just i don't I don't know. I got, I said I was saving that money to to make the smart decision to gamble on basketball. Yeah, exactly. Where I have an edge. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like picking a horse because his name is like Sunday Cupcake. Uh. Well. So what do you do if you're not gambling out there? You just you just drink. You just drink and look. You can still watch the horses yeah. and everybody cheers. It was a all. nice day. You saw people, you know, with their cuckoo clock hats and sure. all that stuff. And then I went to the Bills game. That wasn't the Saints game. That was a Bills, Bills game. I know. It did. We were sitting next to two people who were wearing like water buffalo hats, like Fred Flintstone. Like oh, the yeah. Big, when tall, he's bowling. Yeah. With the horns and stuff, except they were for the Bills. It was good times. Good. They were from Mexico. I was like, that's weird. Welcome. Yeah. Everybody else looks like they've never seen a person who isn't white that's wearing <laughs> Bill stuff. So this is exciting to have uh, Mexicans next to us. Um, but... The Saints are, uh, we'll get to the Saints, but they are the less exciting team at the moment. Your New Orleans Pelicans, as you record this, the, the tip-off against the Mavericks in uh, about an hour from uh, when we are actually recording this, so disregard that game in your heads. I'll uh, edit in the Pelicans <laughs> blank. Yes. Uh, they look, no matter what happens against the Mavericks, the Pelicans have some life, uh, which is a lot more than we could have said a week ago when I think we all sort of put them at death's door. Uh, and, and I think you've started to see some semblance of a team, a semblance of a roster that makes sense. And it's all kind of coming together. And Zion Williamson uh, supposed to practice this week as well. So happy times are, uh, are kind of here again for the Pelicans. And this is a full contact, regular practices for yeah. Zion. Yeah. So he's not going to be, you know, wearing the, the, arm floaties in the pool <laughs> he's not gonna have somebody holding his hand out there he will be out there he's gonna be on a scooter <laughs> he's been cleared for rascal uh scooter practicing not so much really they should just is there a rule saying that players can't be on roller skates he yeah. might need it yeah i've never seen that rule in the book that's a sequel to air bud that nobody wants to see <laughs> but the pelicans are looking competent um they 
have a sense of awareness. I don't think we've seen before in a lot of this is because of uh, old Herbie Jones. He's yeah. out there. And Josh Hart again. Uh, these are just smart players that are making the right decisions and I think adding exactly what the Pelicans uh, have been lackadaisical around on the floor. So we're just waiting for that Zion-sized hole. You can speculate how big the hole is, <laughs> but it is a Zion-sized hole in the team. It might have killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, man, and I think Brandon Ingram said it, right? He was just like, we've got a lot. We've got smart players. Like, we've got guys who are high IQ. And the fact that Herb Jones is among the guys who are considered to be high IQ basketball players, and he is a second-round rookie, uh, really speaks highly of him. And I think this team has been a lot better since Herb Jones has gotten into the starting lineup. You know, is Herb Jones the difference maker between a good team and a bad team? No, like that he's not that guy. But he certainly elevates their floor. Uh, he makes them better and he gives them better opportunities to win because he does a lot of little stuff that has killed this team over the last several years where they've lost lots of close games including this season, he does a lot of good things well. And I think there's unquestionably he's the best draft pick that isn't a number one pick in a while for this team. Uh, you know, Zion and AD mm -hmm. are what they are, but every other pick has kind of flopped to some, you know, sense or got like Buddy Heel got traded kind of immediately. Uh, they haven't had a real rookie contributor in a long time. Uh, and it's nice to see, and it kind of gives some fresh blood, and he's helping them actually win games right now, which is uh, a lot, a huge compliment for a second-round pick. And I think because of all you said and more, he is going to remain in the starting lineup when Zion comes back. That'll be really interesting to see who comes out uh, when Zion comes back. Because the way that Zion plays, it could be almost any position out there you could replace. I think Josh Hart is going to be best coming off the bench. It's mm -hmm. a role he's used to. He's still going to play 28, 30 minutes a night. Sure. Um, he's just good coming off the bench. You know, Herb seems to be exactly where he should be right now. He fits, he fills in a lot of gaps that this team has had for a while, which is, you know, dumb as shit basketball teams and uh, teams that don't show up every night and, you know, a lot of uh, unevenness. And he brings a lot to the table uh, just as far as professionalism and competence and not spectacular. He's not a spectacular player, but he is a good player. And I think to get that guy now, he's not a bum like he was SEC player mm -hmm. of the year. He was on a great Alabama team last year. We've seen those guys not be good at the next level because they're not talented enough. He has proven that he is plenty talented enough to you know, make an impact. Uh, a huge difference maker for this team. And definitely, I, I would say, either him or Valanciunas have been the two brightest spots, right, for this team. As, as bad as the Jackson Hayes situation has been, as disappointing as the Nikhil Alexander-Walker situation has been, what Herb Jones and Jonas Valanciunas have done, I think kind of uh, help alleviate a, a lot of that. Yeah, and Valanciunas has been um, rewarding to watch because, you know, his first game he was 1 of 13, 1 of 14, something yeah. along those lines. And he has maybe been the only Pelicans player to consistently get better every single game, whether that's him getting comfortable with Willie Green and the other players. You know, yeah. I think it's all kind of coming together for him. Uh, of course, he had 35 points against the Clippers, seven three-pointers. Yeah. And, uh, he looked you know, like Steph freaking Curry. Yeah, there. he did. And uh, 
the Pelicans have had problems shooting this season. Devontae Graham has not always been able to put it in there. Yeah. So with Valanchunas hitting the three now consistently, somewhat yeah. consistently, I should say, sure. tonight could be Ish. God yeah. knows. I know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's... But it's a threat. It's a threat, yeah. and it helps open up the floor, and the Pelicans need somebody that can hit that ball consistently. They haven't had somebody that can consistently hit a three... In since Drew Holiday, yeah, and even that was streaky at best, you know. Uh, and same with Lonzo, I think it was streaky. So, look, the where we sat last week, two weeks ago, where it's like this team sucks, there's nothing else to say, <laughs> then they suck, their record says they suck, the players on the floor suck. Like, it, it, it was true, okay, yeah. a- and now they've gotten kind of everybody but Zion back. And you're starting to see at least what they were trying to build. It does make some sense. Uh, And I think you finally have like a reliable five-man lineup that when they're on the court, you're like, they're every bit as good as who they're going up against. They might not have the star power, but they can certainly match up. Like against the Clippers, they more than held their own. They, They matched up. They played really well defensively against Utah. Like these are things that are huge steps for a team that sucked ass for a long time. And now they are very competent. And in some cases they are winning. And I think it's just, it really does make you feel like there is a, a buildup and then this crescendo with mm-hmm. Zion returning whenever he does. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want the listeners to get whiplash because we're flip flopping <laughs> back and yes, forth. Yeah. Like it's, it's okay to talk about, positive aspects of this team you and i aren't fanboys of this team no this team could lose by 40 points tonight i don't think they're particularly much better Mm -hmm. than they were a week ago they're just working the way that they're supposed to work with the talent they have shots are falling more than they were Uh and that's streaky for any team so i i think that zion coming back isn't you know, you're not adding like a battery pack onto this thing. Yeah, uh, the, the Pelicans are going to take a while to get used to Zion with this lineup, mm-hmm. even though the lineup is catered for Zion. Yeah, but I what I do think is that they've minimized the stuff that has been really bad: the Garrett Temple lineups, the 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 Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander Walker, like leaning on on those guys, leaning on them. I think they've minimized a lot of that, and they at least have a group now that you can kind of count on to put themselves in position to win a game. They didn't have that at all for the first month of the season, really. Uh, and, and certainly that middle part when uh, when Ingram was hurt and then when you saw Herb Jones was out for a little while, like they had nothing. And so there is definitely an improvement. Is this team capable of making a run to the fort? No, like no, we're not talking about that. They don't have to do that. They need to win 55 percent of their games when Zion comes back. That's a reasonable goal. And that alone is like a huge improvement over a team that was three and goddamn 16 to start the season. So the fact that there's any, you know, you're, you're talking incremental changes, but they are meaningful incremental changes. And it doesn't suck to watch, which thank God, right? Like yeah. that's the thing more than anything. It's like, it's not, I don't <laughs> want to just immediately pour whiskey all over my forehead. The second I flip on the Bally sports channel, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's they've definitely been more along the lines when we've talked about this team being excitable. You know, we've we've compared it to like Memphis or mm. 
when the Kings are good and things yeah. like that. That's what this team should be. Yeah. New Orleans is always going to be a small market team. It's always going to be a little brother. No one's outside of here is ever going to give a fuck about it. Sure. So keep the fans happy. Yeah. Give a shit and, uh, you know, put it out there. And yeah. they seem to be doing that for the last three to four games. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're are they five and five in their last ten? Something like that. It might be. It's because I mean, again, they started pretty bad. Yeah. It was three and sixteen, so it couldn't have gotten a whole lot worse. Uh, so big ups to the Pelicans. They are. We are noting their improvement. I, I did love the other day on Twitter. Someone uh, or the the Bird Rights blog. I know that blog. Uh, they retweeted something where I. T- questioned the Jonas Valanciunas contract from seven weeks ago. It's <laughs> a timely retweet on that one. I thought that was cute. Uh, it was like, are you, you think, am I worried that people are going to yeah. be mean to me about it? It's like, I, I put shit out there and you guys can shit on it. I don't care. Yeah. Like, that's the way this goes. <laughs> the podcast still has 800,000 <laughs> listeners. We make... $30,000 a month from Patreon. <laughs> the bird writes, retweet us all you want. You're not going to find me. But. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, was the point of this to humiliate me? I was like, I've said a lot of dumb shit on Twitter yeah. before. This is a very, very low end of it. They should go back like two years ago to when you're like, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> and they should retweet that. Like, this idiot doesn't know anything. <laughs> or any time I've expressed uh, optimism about the <laughs> that was flatly wrong every single time. So uh, it would be funny if they just start sabotaging, like when you're like great win for the Pels and they retweet it after the Pels lose. Like Twelve weeks just later, hoping yeah, that no one notices. I just thought it was so bizarre. I was like getting these mentions about Valentino. I was like, did I say something? Then I looked at. I was like, oh, it's from seven weeks ago. <laughs> like, all right, well, if you want to call me out for uh, questioning it, sure. Was- and I did question it, like. And you know what? I might be wrong. Like, that's part of what comes with it. You that's know, fine. You said that pre-Omicron. Yeah. This was... <laughs> it was a pre-Omicron This was the height of Delta fever. Everybody was a little unhinged <laughs> back seven weeks ago, and it was just Delta that was going to kill all of us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Like, uh, take all the old takes and expose them <laughs> all you feel. We're, uh, we're good over here. Uh, anyway, that will. Uh, speaking of old takes, we've got to go back. To, <laughs> we got to go back to the Saints. Well, uh, so we'll stick around right here, poke and Kush. Stick around. Oh, that's J and S E and it's Jansen, Jansen, but. Tag now the realtor to the stars dancing Patagna, everyone j-a-n-s-e-n at fqr.com your favorite realtor my favorite realtor everybody in new orleans favorite realtor you know him you love him he's the handsomest smartest most devilishly clever strongest negotiator and king of the art of the deal, Jansen. Absolutely. You want him, You want a house? You want to sell your house? Whatever you want to do, Jansen is the man to call. Jansen at French Quarter Realty, J underscore Patagna on Instagram. He's been getting a lot of good reviews lately. 
Uh, I want to read one real quick. We contacted Jansen after seeing a, his sign on a house that sold quickly in our neighborhood. We had just taken our home off of the market, and it had been sitting with another agency with very little action. We were impressed by Jansen from the first meeting. He knew just the buyer to target with our home, and it sold quickly. He kept an open line of communication, seamless negotiations, and a quick closing. It could not have gone more smoothly. We highly recommend Jansen, and we'll now be using him to find us our next great home. Bazinga. Yeah, that was from Zion Williamson, unfortunately. <laughs> He's, he might be moving. He, Jansen could just be finding him a better house. Let's not speculate too much. No doubt, Jansen Patagna, the greatest realtor in the entire area. He's got experience, he's got knowledge, and he's got the ability to, you know, talk to other human beings, uh, which a lot of these realtors sometimes uh, don't. So you're going to want to call Jansen Patagna, J-A-N-S-E-N at F-Q-R.com. You can find him on Instagram at J underscore Patagna, P-E-T-A-G-N-A, on Instagram. Look him up. Find him. That is a sponsor. And real quick, he's also got Gulf Coast listings. Oh, yes. This is uh, showcasing properties that he has found along the Gulf Coast, outside of New Orleans, outside of Metairie, outside of the North Shore. Uh, he's got stuff on there right now in Yazoo City. Very fun to say. Oh, yeah. Bay, St. Louis, Ocean Springs, and these are all very beautiful. And, you know, if you're leaving the city for any reason, stay in the south. Stay near a beach. Yeah. Go somewhere close by. You can drive in, see the bills, win by 40, (laughs) get home in an hour, in a driveway you have that people aren't drinking in. Gulf underscore coast underscore listings. Go follow it on Instagram, Twitter, Grinder, <laughs> Parlor, Zanga, MySpace, Blogspot, Ello. That's all of them. I think that's got to be all of them. That's right. That is a sponsor. Thank you, Jansen. Uh, Home of the f- seven minute ad read. Yeah. Because <laughs> we give you your money's worth here. <laughs> You know you love uh, me singing and us uh, praising Jansen. Give uh, me a house, Jansen. Give it to me. Because you know what's better than uh, talking about the Saints? Literally anything. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the Saints for we'll a We'll have a bit. whole Jansen musical <laughs> by the end of this season. Jansen should be the head coach because yeah. uh, it doesn't matter anymore. The Saints <laughs> didn't get a first down as far as I'm concerned. That was the worst I mean, it was awful. Unwatchable. The Panthers game was the worst game I've ever seen under Sean Payton. This was right there. And the only reason this might have been worse is I had to be there. (laughs) (laughs) The Carolina game, at least they had the decency to do that on the road. Uh, Yeah, it just sucked. I don't think I I was not entertained. I did not think it was particularly... uh, There was no progress to be found. There was really nothing. Like, the defense held up for as long as i guess they could uh but even they are just not they're not the defense we were all kind of sold on of them being like oh they can carry a team to a win they can't they're pretty good but they're not great uh the offense is a a shit show and they're missing everybody so how much can you really you know crap on them for it like they have no players so of course they're going to be bad and it just feels like you know what's the point move on 
Yeah, it was uh, pretty unwatchable from from the start. It was yeah. unwatchable. I left the Superdome first touchdown in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to be here when the tables start getting people thrown through them <laughs> or whatever they do. And you were in seats with free beer. I was not. Oh, okay. But uh, there was so much beer being consumed around me that I could just sort of, when somebody wasn't looking, put my cartoonishly <laughs> long straw in it and get a free sip. Uh, but, you know. It sucked. Better luck next time. Yeah. and, and uh, for You have those... no name clowns out there. There's, I mean, There was a Troutman replacement. I don't know who that guy was. He but, scored the only touchdown. Yeah, Vanette, who I guess was picked up in the offseason. I can't believe he didn't save the offense. Um, <laughs> Trevor Simeon was just missing, missing guys. I mean, this is the first time where it was like, oh, the, the, this, is, this is the reason that this dude is kicked around the league and is a bottom feeder, you know, uh, third string quarterback, whatever. Like, there were moments in the first few weeks that he was playing where, like, damn, like, he's got an arm. He's got some, like, there's some ability there. He just looked terrible. He looked, he had no pocket awareness. He had no awareness of, of the pass rush coming at him. He had no ability to find guys open or get guys open. Uh, not entirely on him, but certainly he's not the guy to answer that. And the fact that Taysom Hill was just standing out there in full pads and a baseball cap and was 40 yards from the ball on the sideline, you're like, well, he's not going to play. What is the point of him being active? Like, you're telling me there's not another quarterback anywhere in the world who could come in and do better than 60 yards of offense until the game is out of hand? Yeah, and it's not like, you know, this was Simeon's third, fourth, fifth shot yeah. with the Saints particularly. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's beginning to look like Taysom time. It has to be, right? And I guess Taysom's hurt. Uh, but then they said he had plantar fasciitis. That was kind of what was holding him down. But he has to play against the Cowboys. Now, some of you might be listening to this after the Cowboys game, and he didn't play. <laughs> but I think he has to, to, to play against Dallas. That seems to be uh, what the press is speculating. Yeah. I don't know if it's based on anything. Of course, Sean yeah. Payton is not going to say anything until game time. Sure. Now, what's the deal with Ian Book? Is he's, he dead? He's on IR. They can't bring him back. Is what's he missing going? an arm? Because otherwise, there's no way he was worse than Trevor <laughs> Simeon. Is he playing with one eyeball? Like, I, what's does he have a pirate patch? There's no other explanation as to why they can't give him a shot when Trevor Simeon is literally doing zero. He's doing zero. I think everybody really wanted to see Kamara get out there as backup quarterback. Yeah. Why not? Run the triple option. If you didn't have Cesar Ruiz out there, we could take a gamble <laughs> and put Kamara back there. <laughs> that uh, Blake Gillikin threw a pass. He seemed to have some steam on it. <laughs> <laughs> he overthrew the receiver by 20 yards. There was a lot of mustard on that dog. Yeah. <laughs> Very powerful arm and leg. Uh, dude, it was just bad. I'm, um, I can't remember the last Saints game I left in the third quarter. It's been a minute. Yeah. Like I've left some games early, but that it was really early and I was hoping to leave before I even did, you know, and that was like a game too where you probably would have stayed until the end if it if anything was going on. There's nothing to do. There was literally nothing happening that night. No. Every restaurant was closed. Yeah. You don't want to hang out with your family. <laughs> you want to drink 700 beers and watch yeah. the Saints do something. Yeah, it was just I, like 
I was like, I'm going to go home and watch forensic. I'm going to go home and be on forensic files <laughs> if this continues. Oh man, it's uh, it's rough. I the only other you know question that I have at this moment as we enter December uh, with a team that is very clearly bad and lost four in a row and like, do you start to just take your foot off the gas and try to start losing games for draft position? They are still not far away from the playoffs. I think they're like only a game out because there's seven teams that make the playoffs now. And, right. I mean. What's the point? Like, this team obviously isn't going to make noise in the playoffs, right? Like, there is part of me that's just like, well, just keep losing. Keep all your dudes healthy. Keep losing and just get the hell out of this nightmare of a season. Yeah. Uh, you know, a nightmare scenario is what happened with Michael Thomas against the Bucks. That could mm-hmm. happen to anybody in the playoffs. Sean Payton is proven that he's bullheaded enough not to give a fuck about the player's health when there's a personal vendetta. Yeah. This is a man who called a timeout to yell at the ref. Sure. <laughs> you Several know, times. Two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. He's down 28 points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I'm not even so much. Just like I just think they need a better draft position. It's very clear they need a quarterback in the worst way. I don't think Jameis... Jameis is fine, but he's definitely not the answer. If you can get into the top 10 and get a quarterback, I think that's much more valuable than being the seventh seed in the NFC and getting your ass blasted by the Packers, uh, who I don't think are going to sleepwalk through the the playoff game uh, in Lambeau in January. Uh, So, I mean... I get it. Uh, you know, every game matters, eh, blah, blah, blah. But if especially we'll see how things go with Dallas, if it goes exactly the way that we expect it to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to see them not do the thing that they've always done under Sean Payton when they suck, which is win a bunch of games in December and get like a mid-level draft pick. I'd like to see them actually just blow the thing up, lose, and go get like a legitimately high, pack, high pick. Yeah, and you know, the Saints fans i i'm speaking for myself but i feel like we just don't need it yeah it's not cincinnati where cincinnati would saw joe burrow in half (laughs) to get a playoff game yeah exactly we don't really need it this is we're on our third iteration in the same season of rebuilding this team yes you've got the milkman out there (laughs) with god you know they've got the hot dog guy out there We don't need it that bad. Let's tank. Let's get, you know, some guy named like Shotgun Cowboy Messina. Go re-sign Austin Carr. Go (laughs) re-sign Andy Tanner. Go re-sign all those dudes. Sure, get them back. Go get a bunch of guys who can't do anything. Oh, we'll have that's like three-quarters of your offense as it stands. Uh, And just, you know, lose some games. Yeah. But, you know. If they do beat Dallas, I think it will change the tenor of it a little bit. But yeah, like you said, I don't think there's much interest here for a, you know playing a what the Bears did last year. I think is the ultimate example of like you made the playoffs and who cares? Yeah, like the Bears made the playoffs. They got steam. They they backed into it as a seven spot. They got steamrolled on the road in the first round. No one cared. Like, no one remembers the Bears made the playoffs last year, except for the fact they played the Saints. Right. I don't remember who the seventh seed was in the AFC. I'm sure they lost, too. No, I don't know. Like, it's just kind of worthless. And, uh, you know, it's just the NFL grabbing it money, <laughs> and they expanded the playoffs. Anyway, that takes us through our Saints covers. That takes us in to a little bit of segments. <laughs> 
That's right, our local roundup. We start with, I guess not so local, but local, just up the river. The LSU Tigers have hired an old white guy to be their coach. Thank God. Brian Kelly. <laughs> Brian Kelly. You might remember him from uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, screaming at players on the sideline and, you know, killing that guy who did the videographer or whatever. Yeah, he had, the, he had like a guy up in like a bucket truck and it was very windy yeah it was windy apparently it was so windy on like regular ground they were like hey we shouldn't be practicing in this wind yeah that didn't they didn't talk about that during the press conference i raised my hand (laughs) but nobody called on me i was like hey brian kelly killed some guy because he insisted that he be in a macy's thanksgiving day balloon during the windiest practice of all time and then he blew away, and that's how he got Balloon Boy. Oh, God. So LSU gives Brian Kelly... The, Murderer. Yeah, <laughs> yes. They, uh, they, Allegedly. They, alleged. Uh, they pay him uh, $95 million, 10 years, $95 million. You know, that, that seems like something the state university should, be, uh, should definitely be doing. Um, you know, that's all bullshit. We all know the football program makes money. This is what they spend it on. It's uh, who's who, catch up, whatever. You got to compete. And they didn't think Ed Orgeron was competing. So they pay him 20 something million dollars to go away. They pay Brian Kelly $100 million to come in. We'll see. I mean, I, he's obviously he's a great coach, right? Like he's taken three different teams to the top of their echelon. Like I don't think Notre Dame could be much better than they've been under him. Uh, they haven't won playoff games, but they've gotten there a lot. They've been you know, great in the regular season. I think he's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, which, you know, it's yeah. pretty long history. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame, he was very good at Cincinnati. He was very good at Central Michigan. Uh, you know, I, I that's a good coach with a good resume. I don't think, you know, I expected it to be like a really old white guy, but, you know, that's yeah. where they went. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't hear that name getting tossed around too often uh, in, yeah. in the rumor mill. But, you know, it's like Coach O had two average seasons. Mm-hmm. Gets the boot. Yeah. This guy's coming into the SEC. He's yeah. coming into Baton Rouge with, I, you know, a very different player mentality. Yeah. You go to LSU to go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, you know, besides Ian Book. <laughs> <laughs> when I, don't, I don't think of it, you know, it's not... Notre Dame NFL, you know, it's not no, no NFL D or whatever they would call it. Notre Dame sells a different product than LSU. They're competing for the same thing, but recruiting wise, they do. They sell that they're a top 20 school. They sell that they are the peak of tradition. They sell that they are, you know, like Mecca of Catholics and that and LSU. You get to go to Fred's yeah. and. <laughs> An orange candy-coated Lambo. LSU is, hey, play close to home, play in front of 100,000 people, and, you know, get to the NFL. Yeah, you don't have to go to class. I bet you have to go to class at Notre Dame. Maybe. Maybe. I don't don't know enough about Notre Dame to know if they actually have to go to class, but they certainly, uh, most of the SEC, uh, that's a very low priority. This is a different type of thing. I think Brian Kelly came to LSU because he knows he can recruit at a higher level because putting kids in the NFL is a lot easier sell than putting kids to, you know, Catholic Mecca and, you know, a top 20 university. It's a very different thing. 
he lost enough playoff games to see the gap between his teams and the top of the SEC. You obviously can get those kids to come to LSU, and I think he wants to see where he would stack up. And, hey, $95 million doesn't hurt either. Yeah, well, he's he's there now, and I'm just sad to see Coach O go because I wanted him to date Kim Mulkey. <laughs> Wouldn't they be a good power couple? You remember that couple that like had the guns on the lawn? <laughs> yeah. Like to keep the protesters away. <laughs> that tiny That's little guy. Coach O and Kim Mulkey <laughs> for Halloween. They could have done that. Could have been something magical. <laughs> oh God. Uh in uh in a little bit more depressing local news, as we you know, we always delve into the depressing pretty good over here. Uh Nola.com came out with a story, uh, quote, insulting and disrespectful. City officials understate debt as unpaid judgment list keeps growing. Uh, so basically, the city of New Orleans gets sued over and over and over again by people. And the city of New Orleans just says, like, ah, just put it on the credit card. And they then they just don't pay the bill. Uh, pretty remarkable series of events, actually. Uh, the city has 568 outstanding judgments and settlements in state and federal courts, some dating back as far as 25 years. Are they winning any cases? <laughs> Does it matter? Strictly losing. Paying it anyway. I guess so. <laughs> it's like it's like the Taysom Hill contract, yeah. right? They just keep making it a number. The number they're never going to really pay that number, so it doesn't really matter. They're just going to court. They're losing. They're like, oh, sure, we'll pay you six million bucks. Like, and they just walk out and they're whatever. This is like Barney Gumble's bar tab. <laughs> just keep adding. <laughs> Never going to pay it. <laughs> uh, earlier this month, Mayor LaToya Cantrell's administration began the latest to promise additional funds toward paying the old judgments. The city said it will spend $5.9 million to tackle the growing pile of liabilities. On November 18th, the city council approved $4 million dedicating fund to paying old judgments, though it wasn't clear if that was an uh, addition or <laughs> just the exact same amount of money. Yet it remains a pittance compared to the, are you ready for the actual number that they owe? Yeah. $39.2 million, the city said, is currently outstanding. That's not as much as I thought it would be. Together with other settlements, the city owes currently... Close to $65 million, which is 10% of the city's general fund budget. $65 million is the total. What in God's name is going on here? Uh, so basically what NOLA.com has uncovered is we have no idea what's going on. Uh, and the city is getting sued by a, a giant class action lawsuit for the red light cameras, which they are almost certainly going to lose. Yeah, because those things have always been suspicious because yes. you get the ticket from like Baltimore. Yeah, it's like some company in Phoenix and they're like, oh, you owe us $100 and we can't prove that you did anything. That's why it's the most effective uh, infrastructure related thing in New Orleans. It's the most effective law enforcement in New Orleans because yeah. somebody's doing it somewhere else. <laughs> We need to get, like, cops from Dallas. <laughs> Maybe there could be some kind of, like, hologram cops from another city that Ro could patrol. Robo cops mm. from Detroit. <laughs> I was just saying. You're, 
this is the New Orleans leading RoboCop podcast. It's making too much sense. <laughs> um, the, Murphy. <laughs> uh, yeah, today some guy just blazed through a red light like five seconds after the, inter- after the light changed, going like legit 60 miles an hour in front of me today. I was like, well, that guy could have just killed me. Yeah, he probably just killed somebody. <laughs> He'll probably kill someone very soon. He was in Jefferson Parish, so there's nowhere a camera light, so it was fine. Well, he probably didn't have a license plate either. Yeah, or it's somebody. They've started stealing license plates from uh, the Irish Channel. This guy was in like a suit and tie. Okay. It was. It made me insane. Just driving like a suburban by the late by the going to the North Shore. I was like, this is insane. <sighs> Yeah, it's it doesn't matter anymore. Well, at least the sports teams are good. <laughs> New Orleans. That takes us into my favorite part of every, or sorry, your favorite part of every single week, ladies and gentlemen. Overrated, underrated. Overrated, underrated, underrated. I can kick us off with overrated. This relates to uh, my Thanksgiving. Overrated, the walking beer vendor in the Superdome. You think that's overrated? I'm saying it's overrated. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you are in the middle aisle, Uh it becomes just a test of anxiety. (laughs) Because then you have to holler at this guy. I don't like screaming at people that are far away. So I have to scream at this guy, and then he doesn't care. He's <laughs> a mile away. He finally gets to your row, and then it's like a game of telephone, but oh. with drunk saints morons. Yes. So you're like two Bud Lights, and then by the time it gets down there, you've ordered a mimosa <laughs> and, a, and a waffle and a tuna fish sandwich, <laughs> and you have to give... A credit card to strangers. I don't know if somebody. Yeah, just you know how quickly run. they could take it, snap a photo of your card while they're passing it down. Don't do that. I sh- maybe I shouldn't be <laughs> giving people these ideas. I just don't like giving strangers cash or a credit card. Yeah. And then you know it wasn't that long ago that you couldn't be within six feet of people. No one gives a fuck about that anymore. But no. I still don't want. 500 drunk goons <laughs> holding my beer and also they have to remove the cap so maybe somebody you know drops ecstasy in there and then i have the greatest time of my life at the saints game it's just, just giving away ecstasy like that yeah. that's what dare led me to believe that people just give you drugs for free which Always sounded fine. Yeah, I was like, oh, someone's going to give me drugs? Cool. It's just, it's hard to to work with the beer vendor when you have anxiety mm-hmm. and you don't want people touching all your stuff. Yeah, I never thought about it from being that far away perspective. If you're on the aisle. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And even if you're, not, if you're just kind of in the vicinity, in the middle of it, but also getting up in the middle, that really like... That tests every like Larry David bone in my body. Oh yeah, our seats are in the middle, and I so hate getting up. I would rather stand up a hundred times and, and sit on the aisle and let people go by me over and over and over again than get up. 
twice during a game and bother the people who are complete shitbags, by the way. It's not like these are great people, oh, yeah. you know? These are, ju- they would get up a hundred <laughs> times if they had to do it, you know? But they stare at you and they give you this, you know, gloomy they face. They sigh or they'll like look at you like they don't know what you're doing. Yeah. It's like, I'm not here to ask you a question. Yeah. And it's like, obviously I can't fit in the, between your legs and the seat in front of you, or I would have done it already. Um, you know, that climb up. But, uh, anyway. Uh, so I do hate getting up. So I like the beer vendor in that circumstance, uh, that, and it cuts down the lines, et cetera, for things. But yeah, that there is a, there is a give and take for yeah. sure there. So uh, understood, uh, on that front. Uh, I don't know, man. Like what are, what are we going to do about that though? You know? I don't know. It could also be if you're at the end of the aisle, then you get thrust into the role of, doing the orders for 500 other people. Yeah, that sucks. You're trying to watch the game. Yes. You know, your kids are yelling at you. You're trying to eat a hot dog. Yeah. And then you have to deal with me getting 17 (laughs) Miller Lights. (laughs) That's That's why I go to two-line games. There's no people there. Yeah. (laughs) It's the best. Uh, I'll do a quick overrated. Uh, A la mode on the pie. This is a big thing. People will get the ice cream on top of the pie. I know you're not a big sweets guy. No. But it's a little much. Thanksgiving is like pie extravaganza. It's an orgy of pies all the time. Uh, everybody's got three pies, and they just slap ice cream on top of it. It's like, look, I get it that you know you want it to be the best that it can possibly be. You got the cold and the hot, whatever. It's just sweet on top of sweet. I think it's too much. Uh, it, it's let's just let the pie be the pie and speak for itself. Let's let ice cream be ice cream. And speak for itself. There's no need to double deck these things. Yeah. Everybody like whenever it's offered, my wife like automatically, yes, put the ice cream on there. And I was like, I let's can we not just let church and state live here? Let's just be ice cream on this side, pie on this side. If you want to stick them together, you stick them together on your fork. But let's not have it live on top of it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. So a la mode. You're good, but you're overrated. Gotcha. You got an underrated for us? I'll go to an underrated. Uh, Property insurance. This is one of the worst things in the world, but it actually is a little underrated. Everyone hates their insurance person. This is obvious. There's no need to to report this. Everyone has a problem. They're dealing with it, whatever. But when your settlement comes in, such as mine did this week for Hurricane Ida, it feels like you won the goddamn lottery. It feels like I won the argument. I've been fighting with these people for months and months on end for a product that I pay for, and I finally got the money that I was supposed to get, and I feel like I won. Now, all I did was get exactly what I paid for, and it was an enormous pain in the ass to get it, but I definitely got to take a little victory lap. You stuck through. Which makes... That's a rare thing these days. You don't get to win that often. I feel like I won. Uh, so congratulations to me <laughs> and to all the other property owners who the insurance company finally did what they said they're going to do when you were mandatorily <laughs> forced to buy property insurance. So yay me. I have a new roof. Uh, it's very exciting. Ooh. And, uh, you know, very few things in life are less exciting than having a new roof. But way to go me. I have uh, won the property insurance game. That's that's where we're at now as a society is that getting something that you paid for feels like a victory. (laughs) My girlfriend was like, I went to Popeye's today and got food. (laughs) She was at the one in like Gretna. Of course. 
But, you know, it's like I went there. Nobody yelled at me. There were no fires in the parking lot. The cashier wasn't openly smoking. I know he was smoking. But he held the cigarette down when he handed me my food, which was in a bag. It wasn't just loose chicken. I really feel like I have a vendetta against Popeyes. Yeah, it had to be like 2.45 p.m. You can't get food there otherwise. I I think that may have been the case. (laughs) It has to be a very odd time for me to eat. And that's going to take us into your favorite part of every show. The worst. The worst. The worst is the worst thing I saw or read this week. Send them in. We love when you do because it helps us out. Email us, polkandkush at gmail.com, or just go ahead and tweet at us at polkandkush over on Twitter. Uh, today's story comes from Fox Business. Ooh. Aren't they the ones that outed Drew Brees or That was whatever? Yahoo Finance. Oh, even better. <laughs> now, this story did not happen in New Orleans, but it could have. FedEx driver dumped packages in Alabama ravine at least six times in a debacle, authorities say. (laughs) A FedEx driver has dumped hundreds of packages into an Alabama ravine at least six times in a massive debacle. Why are they saying debacle so much? This is a crime. It's not a debacle. (laughs) Yeah, a debacle is a traffic. (laughs) I feel like a debacle is when people in Congress start yelling at each other. Parliament seems like a debacle. It's something has gone askew from what normally happens. The saints are a debacle. Yeah. Yeah. It's not intentional. This is a crime. (laughs) A federal crime. (laughs) The driver has been identified in question by investigators with the whatever county sheriff's office. The person's name has not been released. This guy would get murked immediately. <laughs> they have photos, and it's hundreds of boxes. I guess the good thing is he didn't open them and steal stuff. I mean, he may have done that as well, but these boxes yeah. appear to be sealed, and they're mostly chewy, you know, like the pet delivery uh-huh. thing. It's a lot of like delivery boxes. So there's like some family in Birmingham that's like, where's our HelloFresh? It's just rotting in the forest. 300, authorities discovered 300 to 400 packages of various sizes 30 miles north of Birmingham. There's no supply chain issues. They're just throwing our stuff away. <laughs> exactly. All these stories you're reading about the ships being in the cargo, like, no, no, no. no. They're just guys throwing just stuff into ravines to fuck with you. Newman's throwing all the mail away. <laughs> FedEx sent trucks from all over the south of the scene to collect the parcels. Okay, so you can get your rotted food. <laughs> Your pet, your pet's dead. Your pet didn't get the medicine from Chewy. Your pet's long gone. As of right now, we are looking at 450 individual victims, some in this county and some not. Investigators are attempting to work their case. No charges against the driver or a suspected motive have been announced. I know what the motive was. The, didn't want to deliver. Didn't want to work. <laughs> Wanted to go home. I, there's no suspected motive because it, it, you know what happened. Yeah. I guess just calling it pure that's laziness like, is not uh, good enough. That's like you catch somebody doing cocaine and you're like, there's no suspective motive 
for why he was doing cocaine because it's great because it feels good you don't need a motive when the thing is obvious this will not be an easier fast case to close it should be it should be the easiest fastest case in the world to close i believe you meant the cleanup the cleanup would not be the easiest or fastest thing so I guess they uh, loaded the stuff back up and sent it out what they could. In the event of a damaged shipment, we will make every effort to work with the affected shippers to reach a resolution it added. But probably only if it's Amazon, because Amazon doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, because they have more money than yeah. God. Amazed it wasn't here, but at least it was in the <laughs> South. I mean, that's just, it's the tire pile for, you know, consumer goods. <laughs> I just wish they had interviewed the guy. Have you been missing any packages? Uh, I don't know. Anything slow to arrive? Everyone talks about the supply chain being a problem. There are 16 packages in my house every single day because I have two (laughs) small children. Uh, So, no, I have not noticed. Everyone's, you know, it's like this. Everyone's having a crisis. And uh, I'm like, can we, do you want our packages? Do you want our stuff? How is there a problem with getting shit when all I have is stuff piling and I have a gazillion toys in my home? I think we've got plenty of stuff coming from Asia. It's all working just fine as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I would like things to be cheaper, and throwing them into the ravine seems like a good way to fight inflation. Yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> I'm not an economist, but it seems like if more people threw stuff into the ravine, we'd do better with inflation. Well, my economic perspective there is we just need to start going to more ravines. <laughs> yes, we need to build into ravines. Then when this guy threw his stuff in there, it would be going. There's somewhere. always the story of when you're a kid, somebody's walking through the forest, they find a pile of porno. Yeah. Maybe that's the mailman. Maybe there's like a Christian <laughs> mailman that's like, I'm not delivering smut to Ann Ida. Maybe the ravines are where we'll, we're going to find all this treasure. <laughs> this is where all of our supply chain problems have, have gone. Oh, man. You want to wrap us up, Mr. Polk? That'll do it for Polk and Kush. Thank you so much for listening. We got the Spotify wrap today. If you've got that and we showed up on it, please tag us on Twitter. It's a lot of fun. It's cool to actually, you know, we don't have like a live audience feedback, so it is always very rewarding when people say they listen to or enjoy the show. One way you can do that is by reviewing us, rating us on iTunes, and subscribing. Follow us on Twitter at Polk and Kush. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.